back at the silent film Lit up by candles and space between shadows Wouldn't have to say nothing, always sound mean Just wouldn't smile or look too pleased And they can't all be good I guess better that they should What if sorrow swim? Good God, gonna need to burn them Cut my hair off and shave my beard Wear nothing white and keep nothing clean at all What a relief from the pressure To just be hated and realize that being bad Is nothing but the pleasure and they can't all be good My guess better that they should What if sorrow swim Good God, gonna need to burden them Guys done up like good ones And have a pile of money Never have to worry Maybe get it all away For a reason to steal Maybe a chance to Keep from keeping still And they can't all be good My guess Better that they should What if sorrow swim Good God I'm gonna need to burn them Good God I'm gonna need Instagram. Yeah, I'm all over. I'm all over the internet. All over the internet. I feel like Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton. Yeah. Uh, Ginger Hilton. Rue. Hmm. Ginger Hilton. I call. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyways, this is the first time. Um, completely live. Recording everything live. It's the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Your top source for live local regional music. Interviews and events from Rochester, New York, and the surrounding area. Got Danny Mose here. Uh, what song was that? That was original. That was uh, that was Burn Them. That was uh, Green Sky Bluegrass. Oh, there. okay. Oh, I forget the name of the album. It was like two albums ago, though. They got another one coming out in two days, though. I'm excited. Really? I'm really you excited. Got a new one coming out. Yep. That's uh, that's a future Don Timbers song. We just haven't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. And Don Timbers, you guys are playing tonight. Yeah, our first first uh, real gig. We've played a couple of open mics and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, we put this group together. It started with Ricky Smith, uh, Tom Geary, and I, probably six months ago we conceived it. Um, the, the Ditch Diggers, the band that I was in before, had gone in separate ways. Um, Allie has gone on to, she was doing great things in the 
professional job world. Now she's doing great things working for me. But um, we just awesome. didn't have the time, didn't, awesome. didn't have the ability to do it. Casey's off with PA Line, touring Europe and being a dad and stuff. So um, we put that band down. I kind of threw feelers out there. I wanted to start a bluegrass band. And the day I was going to post a status, Ricky Smith posted the same thing. He was like, I want to start a band. <laughs> Tom Geary jumped on it. I jumped on it. We met up, started making it happen. We had a lot of scheduling conflicts. So when Tom exited, we brought in uh, Eric Horton and Tim Brayley from Elefino and other projects because Tim's in like 10 things. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's not running sound and Great slinging guy, drinks and being an awesome guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it immediately fit. Like day one, four of us came in, we, we vaguely knew a couple songs that the others knew. Um, Tim and Eric had the most in common from their time with Elefino. Right. But um, we all just kind of like, we got along well, we gel well. Um, even even busting balls was never personal, we have a lot of fun. And um, the speed with which the group writes is insane. Um, every song we play tonight, with the exception of one, maybe two, are all original. Um, we play to play for an hour, or a little bit over. Wow. Um, so and it's all stuff that's, to my knowledge, hasn't been played by anyone other than so this group. an hour of originals, that's yeah. 15... Yeah, I think we have like 13, 14 songs. And, um, that's impressive for you. We're, we're going to sound check with a cover just because it's easy to detect you know, sure. what sounds go where. Okay. But yeah. out of the gate, it's all original. Our very last song on our set is a cover. We may have another cover we choose to throw in there somewhere, but... Um, it's all material that uh, Ricky Smith's brought, I think, two of those songs in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim and Eric have written a couple as a duo. Eric wrote an instrumental that the band wrote around it. Like I submitted the lyrics and um, kind of suggested some chord changes. And then, you know, Tim and Ricky are like, what if we put this here? What if we put that there? And so we have one song that we've written like as a full collective, and it feels really good. I think it's our best one tonight. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and it all just kind of started spontaneously. All the mm-hmm. the lyrics is, you know, we were passing around. It's like, well, I have a song that I kind of wrote, or I have an idea for a song, and uh, just ran with it. Ricky's Ricky's brought just lyrics to the group, and we've put music to it. And other times, I kind of had a musical progression, and Ricky had lyrics that was was helpful. And um, it feels good. It feels good to have like that that kind of brain trust musically, to just uh, to have the the humility to to tweak other things and not be offended by it. And mm-hmm. no one comes into it with a song that is so their baby that we can't touch it. And uh, it feels good. It feels really equal. It's a lot of fun. Um, it, and it, it definitely sounds like us. Um, you know, there's there's Dirty Blankets and Blind Owls and so many bigger bluegrass bands in the area that are obviously influential, but we, we definitely sound like ourselves. Great. And we take we take a lot of pride in that. But, um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm really excited for tonight. Uh, Danny and Tim are going to play as a duo tonight um, from their Alfino days. They're going to play a bunch of songs. And then uh, the, I think the, the Dwayne Johnsons. Is that what they're? Yeah, the, the Dwayne Johnsons. At, at least originally, I believe that's yeah. the, the stage name. But then you've got. And then I'm going to play, play a couple songs. And then uh, the band as a whole is going to go on, give or take, uh, 1130, 1115, 1145. Mm-hmm. Sometime after 11 till uh, we run out of stuff to do. Um, hopefully, we'll catch a lot of the Flower yeah. City crowd. Hint, yeah. Hint. Well, yeah, so listen up, guys. Um, the Don Timbers are playing at Temple tonight. Uh, so if you're watching live, I presume you're going to be there. If you didn't already have plans, I'm making plans for you. Um, but if you're listening later on, check Danny out. He was on uh, the podcast. I'm trying to think of what episode it was. It was Maybe early. Like it, was, it was two years ago. It was, it was early. Um, and... The work he's done with the Don Timbers is obviously going to be a goulash, going to be good. Um, and you mentioned a little bit 
uh, ditch diggers. So. so yeah, that was a that was a primarily like a cover jamgrass band that uh, mm-hmm. Casey Bloom and I started as a as a duo years ago on the road. Like I was playing a couple songs with him on acoustic guitar, and he was doing his whole Deadhead thing. And um, time went on, and I I taught myself how to play guitar properly because um, I only played like two or three songs with him, and I didn't take the time to understand what I was doing. And uh, took some time with it, got better at it, and then kind of approached Casey. And was like, you know, I'm blind owl stuck in my head all the time. I really want to do like a, a grass thing. And mm-hmm. I fell in love with uh, Trampled by Turtles and Green Sky Bluegrass around that time. Wanted to get into jam grass. Figured if there's someone to jam with, Casey Bloom's a really good place to start. And uh, around the same time, I bought a mandolin for like 20 bucks. Had it laying around the house. My little sister comes over, picks it up, plays a full scale. No training, no... No musical education on a stringed instrument. She had learned a little bit of piano and some brass in school um, years before. And um, Casey and I took it upon ourselves to make the driving point of that band initially was to teach her how to play. And um, we were going to take it nice and easy, but being Casey Bloom, we got gigs right out of the gate. (laughs) Um, So that poor girl had been playing that instrument like two weeks, and I think we were playing FLX Live as a headliner. And um, changing the set list on her, songs she didn't know, and... She, she rolled with it, and uh, we brought Matt Herman in on bass, and um, it's been so much fun that we have decided formally, this is our formal announcement, uh, we're coming back sometime next couple months. Um, we're going to start playing shows again, you know, when Casey mm-hmm. has free time for PA line, and um, I'm free from work and from, uh, from the Don Timbers, or maybe the Don Timbers, Ditch Diggers, PA line trifecta will do a show. Yeah, we've been kind of mm-hmm. poking around with some ideas, yeah. but we're, we're, we're coming back. Um, so I get to sate my artistic writing side with the Don Timbers and then still kind of jam grass a little bit with the other band. And I love playing banjo, so it's uh, it's going to be good to have the Don Timbers back, or the Ditch Diggers, rather, back. Um, so Ditch Diggers, you're focused uh, a lot on the banjo? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the banjo player in the, in the Ditch Diggers. The Don Timbers, uh, Tim and I share the, the workload of guitar and upright. We actually swap oh, okay. a couple times. Um, there's certain songs that he wrote that he'd rather play guitar for. Um, and I love playing bass too much not to put my hands on it at least once. Right. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun and doing the instrument swap uh, and, and practices and open mics and stuff. People just uh, they seem really excited when instruments are just like you know what, or when musicians yeah. are like you know what we're gonna swap instruments yeah, and just lot. keep going. Um, and it's really exciting. I think Ricky and T- Eric over time are gonna jump on bass and stuff too. Maybe we'll just keep doing a round robin. <laughs> we have a lot of fun. Um, just upright, man. I, I never got my hands on one until this group, and mm-hmm. I really like it. So maybe I'll join another band playing bass. Who knows? Yeah. Well, it's uh, a lot of people who play bass might be an obvious question, but tell me about the, the difference between when you're playing maybe an electric bass and you've got it upright. So um, upright, the, um, not only is there no markers to tell you exactly where the notes are unless you've like written on the side of the neck a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's completely fretless. So it's really... You have to, with your ear and with muscle memory, know exactly where you're going. Um, but upright as well, because you don't have the flat strings on a flat neck in front of you, you can't quite show off a little bit. Like You really have to be locked in and in the pocket. And if your finger's a millimeter off, it's very audible how, mm, yeah. how much of the note you're missing. Um, and it's a, it's a really interesting challenge of an instrument. Um, and it just feels cool in your hands. You're playing, you know, you're playing a six-foot behemoth of an instrument as opposed to you know, playing banjo where it's a little thing and mandolin where it's even smaller Mm -hmm. and there's just bass and it's, I mean, it's the drummer of string music. Um, there's no drummer. It's really starts and ends with the bass player. And, um, you know, we have one of the best in Tim Braley, but I'm really fortunate to be able to play a couple songs on bass too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Tim's one of those guys. Bass. I didn't know he played bass until recently. I didn't either. <laughs> until he's like, I have an upright. Let's do it. Like, cool, man. Um, but I mean, Tim. Tim and I are from the same school of thought. Where mm-hmm. if we can get our hands on it and play around with it for a little bit, we'll kind of figure out what to do on it. Because I know, uh, you know, obviously I play banjo and guitar and, and upright, and I play a little bit of mandolin. And Tim was kind enough to loan me a fiddle that I'm very bad at, but okay. I'm working on it at this time. Um, yeah, at this time. It's definitely not going to be unveiled anytime in the next year, at least. But, um, you know, if we can just have it and tinker with it and get to know the instrument, we have, we just want to learn it to learn it. Um, and Tim's Tim's very enthusiastic in that way, too. So we both uh, we both kind of geek out on new, new toys. Um, I think both our places are um, a haven of instruments that we just pick up here, there, and everywhere. I think Dulcimer's next, too. It just sounds cool. I saw Johnny Richards play one and all now. <laughs> Johnny, yeah, it's uh, it's been a couple years since yeah, our last uh, podcast. So it was give or take been... this time two years ago. Um, it might have been early February, but I remember I just moved to uh to Sanford Street in Rochester, um, which was uh, early 2017, um, and I just played my first formal. It might have been advertised the first gig at Temple that I played. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a weird weird turn of events, I just moved to Rochester, met Tim Braley. At a park bench pub right around the corner from here. I think mm. it was around the time I got to know you better too. Yeah, um, yeah we, uh, you know, Tim was hosting an open mic there, and Adrian from uh, Saranac Lake, she, uh, she brought me there, introduced me to everyone, and brought me to to Sanford and introduced them to me before Devil Makes Three show. And next thing I know, I'm moving in there and playing music full time. And mm. um, it's been a wild ride. It's been a lot of ups and downs. I was already struggling with uh, substance abuse when I got to Rochester. By the time I limped out of Rochester, I was in really bad shape, but uh, I've been cleaning sober over a year now and feeling better, looking better, sleeping sleeping more and eating right, and I've put on like 45 pounds, um, give or take, mostly in my legs and in my stomach, but I don't care. Like I'm, I'm healthy and I feel mm-hmm. good, and I sing better, I, I breathe better. Um, I don't have to worry about my friends putting me to bed anymore or waking up trying to find where my stuff is or what I said the night before to who, and it uh, feels good feels really good and it's good to see a lot of my friends doing the same and um especially you know right now with everything that's going on where uh you know a lot of our friends are passing away um i've seen some people that i've been really terribly worried about that are okay and they're healthy and and doing good and it's good to see and it's good to stay the course seeing them as an example too which is nice absolutely it's uh so that was a lot at once. Let's look a little bit at the timeline of that. So you've been sober about a year. Yep. Um, did you have a aha moment, something that kicked you in the ass and made you make that decision? Or I did. What was your mindset at the time? I won't uh, name the festival or who hosted or anything because that was in, in no way the catalyst for sure, it. But, sure, sure. Um, I'd been on like a six or seven day bender and uh, stumbled my way into a festival that I was slated to play on a Sunday morning and... I don't think I've slept since Wednesday. Um, and Sunday morning rolled around and I hadn't slept and I was under the influence of at least four or five different things. And I uh, wasn't feeling good, was wobbling on my feet, my legs were shaking. And um, Tim Braley happened to be the sound guy for that and he was sitting there, he's like, are you all right, man? I was like, yeah, I think so. And uh, I went behind the stage feeling like my heart was gonna break my ribs, it was pounding so hard. And I, uh, I puked up a good amount of, of whiskey and moonshine and drugs and blood. and went up and I was, I think I was supposed to play, play for an hour and I think I very incoherently muttered through 35 minutes of it and I had to be sick again. 
and um, it was about 100 degrees that weekend, and I crawled under a good friend's van who was much older and had been clean for a long time and was laying in the shade, and he kind of looks under the vehicle at me and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And uh, I, don't, I don't remember what I said. I just muttered something about, don't take me to Rochester, I gotta go home, and he managed to coax out of me where my dad lived and uh, both my parents and uh, drove me there, no questions asked. Um, he was a vendor and he broke, he broke his whole setup down and uh, left a bunch of it behind to make room for me and my gear. And um, stuff what was left of me into the vehicle, drove me from way out in the middle of nowhere all the way to um, south of Rochester and dropped me off and went back, got his stuff and he went home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told my parents a bit what was going on and then I wanted, I wanted to get clean for myself and um, they, didn't, they didn't ask, they didn't, didn't really make too many stipulations or say anything really concerning. They're just like, you know, just go to bed and we'll talk later. And Sure. Um, I think I slept for, you know, off and on other than being sick for three, four days and woke up and haven't really turned back since. I I might have slipped up once early on, but um, it's it's been good and it's been consistent. Um, you know, all the, all the drugs are completely out now. Um, I try to moderate much more when I drink. I not only drink, drink far less frequently, but when I do, it's because of my lack of tolerance. I think I, uh, I think I only need a few beers to catch a buzz. It's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> Realistic. I feel right. 17 again, man. I'm, especially playing all these craft breweries and wineries that I've been playing. Um, I'm so used to, you know, having a Budweiser or two at home at the end of the day and then I'll drink. Like I went to Three Heads and played with uh, BMAC doing mm-hmm. the, the Let's Duet for Brian McDonald's uh, cool. residency and I had like two of Three Heads Imperial Stouts and it's like 12% alcohol yeah. by volume or something. And it, it, it whooped my ass. Yeah, two of those. It's oh, four, I was hanging four, off people. I love you guys. It's like being a teenager again. It was fun. Yeah. But. And, and what's her role if you can't break it a little bit? Um, I don't think there's anything too bad with drink here and there. I think um, it, it depends on the person. Especially, yeah, yeah. The person and... The involvement, um, a situation like yeah. that doesn't sound pleasant, you know? No, I'm, I'm very lucky to have consistently had a good support group for all that. Mm-hmm. My friends, even the ones that themselves were partaking in, in bad decisions, um, my friends were ready for me to be clean before I was. Okay. Um, and even now, you know, I could have a couple drinks tonight, but if I start to show any signs of misbehaving or if I show any interest in doing something maybe I shouldn't, there's no doubt that half the people in that room will be the first to stop me. Um, and that, that takes, that takes a lot of, a lot of courage to do that, to, to stand in between your friend and what they may or may not want because it's Mm -hmm. not good for them. And uh, I'm really fortunate to have people like that in my life. And, um, I don't anticipate that I'll have a problem drinking tonight or again for a very, very long time, if ever. Um, because I just, I know how I feel and I know how good I feel to not wake up feeling like hell. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm sure I'll be a little bit hungover tomorrow because it's temple and the drinks are good and. Um, people, it's a late night. People like to buy me drinks in Rochester. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of a trademark of this town is they like to get their musicians intoxicated. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Blind Owl walk off stage so much as stagger off. and It uh, shows how brotherly and loving the city is, but I, uh, I think besides a little headache in the morning, I won't have to regret anything or apologize to anyone, and that feels good. Mm-hmm. It feels really good. But uh, 
Yeah, long time coming. Thought about that, the the drinking in Rochester. Because Rochester has the kind of charm where it's not, you know, a sit down quiet event where everybody's quiet. And, you know. See, I've done both, but even at, even at Let's Do I, I had people offer to buy me drinks. You know, mm-hmm. and it was it was a tabled, seated, quiet setting. And right. um, I've played I've played a lot of the surrounding area, and I've played other states and stuff. And every now and again, the bartender or the manager might, hey, can I get you a drink? Do you want something? But very rarely does someone come up and set a shot glass of mystery liquid at your feet, which is just. That's something that I see at almost every show in Rochester. If a band member is drinking at the beginning of the show, by the end of the show, someone has just given them a token of offering. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's what you're drinking and sometimes it's not. But I've never seen a musician be like, oh, no, not that. You know, it's just, it's free. You go ahead and take it and move on. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I've definitely swallowed some liquors that I didn't expect to, like really strong tequila. Last time I was at Flower City. Um, Thanks, Mikey. That hurt a lot. But uh, yeah, it's it's. I like the city a lot. It's it still feels like home. I'm down in Geneva now doing my own thing. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I don't know. I've, I've played so many places here, and I've I've done so much and living in the city and walking around. You know, I I feel like that dad whose neighborhood has changed. Where I'm like, oh, I remember over that <laughs> house way back when. And, right. Um, you know, and over there, my friend used to have an apartment. Or like just today, you know, when I when I came to see your place, I asked, oh, is Riley still up downstairs? You know, just know where everyone's apartments are. And mm-hmm. um, we were talking about the park bench, and I, I don't know if that's open anymore. I think they closed um, down. I haven't I haven't seen it open the last couple times I was up here, and I've made a point to drive down Monroe and maybe pop in and check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but Abilene's still going, and Flower City's still my home away from home. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I was messaging Pat over at Temple today just to see if he was going to be there tonight. The manager, owner... Mm-hmm. Whatever the case, Pat's Pat's the guy over there, and you know I had to make mm-hmm. sure he was going to be there because I haven't seen him in months. Yeah, it would the the day to day wouldn't operate without Pat. His father's the owner, but he's the he's Pat's the, the bar guy. he's the bar manager. He's hands on, um, does a great job there. It's great too because when I first met Pat, we were uh, we were interacting a lot on like a musician and then venue level. You know, he was the guy to talk to to get paid at the end of the night to figure out what what drinks were on the house, what wasn't, things like that. But um, I do what Pat does at a venue in Geneva now. Um, and, you know, it's more music hall, more Flower City-esque, less temple. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do something very similar, and tonight we were discussing, uh, you know, 21 up and, you know, why why it's necessary and, um, you know, exceptions to the rules and things like that. But, um, I, you know, I run a music venue in a college town, and it's it's tough going 18 up because you never know who's giving who drinks and how much trouble you're going to get in, and it's, uh, it's interesting. But it's, uh, it's definitely good to see so many people in, in managerial and, and ownership positions and all these different bars in Rochester that legitimately care about live music. They don't want it because it adds to their, their place, but they want it because it makes people happy. And that's the difference. And I've, I've seen Temple, Flower City, Abilene, I've seen them all have bands on night where they may have operated under a loss, where they may have not made so much money off the music, um, simply because it was it's just a good atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people that book there, the people that set it all up, they legitimately care. Um, I still talk to Matt Green at Flower City, you know, once a week just just to see how he is, um, because he took the time to care about me, not not just on stage but off. Um, you know, and I, I strive to to be that guy at, at FLX Live in Geneva where I work um, as a general manager there. Like I try to keep in touch with musicians and what they're up to, and um, not only see about getting them back in as a musician, but just just see how they're doing in general. And I forged some great friendships doing that, you know, with breweries and musicians and just people in general. And it's it's really rewarding. It's a lot of fun. 
and I don't quite have to grow up yet. You know, I, I still get paid to deal with music and mm-hmm. I, it's Entertainment. Weird. I, I feel like I'm slacking off, but I'm getting a paycheck. And it, it feels great, and we, we have a lot of fun. Uh, Tim Braley bartends there now. My little sister's a bar back and bartender there. and um, We're definitely bringing in a lot of familiar faces. So for all of our Rochester friends that are coming down to FLX, um, any of the shows you come down for, you'll definitely recognize a lot of the faces in there, a lot of the staff. Um, just people that I've worked with, and people that I know, and people that I trust. and um, It feels good. I remember Dirty Blanket, Tim and I bartended, and there was a lot of, a lot of that, hey, how are you, going on, and it was nice. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's weird being on the professional side of things. I, uh, I'm more understanding of venues now, um, mm-hmm. and what they need and don't need from us as musicians. And as a venue manager, I'm also more, I feel like an advocate for musicians. There's certain nights where we might have a lower budget, but I'll try and find a way to swing it. So they still feel like we're rolling out the red carpet as much as we can feasibly. Um, you know, maybe it's an extra drink ticket or a little bit of food on the house or, um, do you guys need a place to stay? Just a million little things we can do to to give musicians the best possible experience and and feel like whether you're pay, playing for a crowd, crowd of five or five million, you know, we want them to feel like, you know, to us, you matter. And this is this is really important to us to have this. And um, I, I hope so far all the musicians that I've spoken to that have played at our place feel that way. And that's, that's a trend I intend to continue. Um, and just build a community down in Geneva the way we have one in Rochester. Where, you know, you're not just a guy who does interviews, but you're a guy at every possible show you can get to. And there's so many. You know what I mean? It's Up here, it's like playing musical whack-a-mole. You know, mm-hmm. as soon as one show's over, everyone's scrambling to the next one. And I mean, even tonight with, right. with Flower City and, and Temple, I'm going to try and go to Flower City. Yeah. Um, um, Jill Kaplan, Forest Dwellers, Personal yeah. Blend as a residency, and Personal Blend's playing tonight. Yeah. So, and on a Wednesday night. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And uh, what's cool about Rochester is the the two or three degrees of separation with every musician. You know what I mean? Uh, you got Personal Blend, um, and members of Personal Blend are playing with the Forest Dwellers. Forest Dwellers has members of Alafino. Half my band were previously in Alafino. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to play with Anthony and mm-hmm. um, play with Joe and those guys and, and Kyle. And it's just, it's so cool how no matter, no matter the band, be it, you know, Panda or... Um, you know, bigger groups like that, all the way down to the band that just started. Everyone knows everyone, and genre doesn't matter. Just we get out there and we support each other, even if it's not something we would necessarily listen to in our spare time. I'm not a huge reggae guy. I uh, I'm primarily like old old country, but if Joe Kaplan's playing tonight, like you bet your ass I'm going to be there because those guys are great and they're good people and they go to my shows and it's just that that sense of community, that sense of everyone is going to encourage everyone. Um, is building little by little in Geneva. And uh, it's so great to see we have open jams and open mics, and there's four or five of them now. It's a college town, so they're everywhere. But not just the college kids that are there during the semesters, but the local musicians just move heaven and earth to, to be there for one another. And I don't know how many times we have a, we have a guy, Justin Bryant, he plays with uh, Deep Lakes, the bass player from Fakawi's, his other band, uh, mm-hmm. Anson Styles. Um, but Justin will show up at the last second and drop off his drum kick because he knows a band needs a kit. You know what I mean? And he'll just leave his instrument, you know, his expensive, you know, old kit, he'll just leave it unattended for musicians to use on our stage and then leave for the night and just pray it's in good hands. You know what I mean? And that's, uh, that's the kind of thing that I love about Rochester. We had an issue with a pickup tonight and I called Ben Proctor from the Crooked North. Um, I texted him this morning and told him, you know, I didn't have access to a pickup for today. I've been trying to fix one, but it wasn't ready in time. No questions asked, Ben, uh, 
Ben threw a pickup in his mailbox, sent me the address, and he's like, hey, I'm not going to be home, just grab it out of the mailbox, and right. good luck tonight. And uh, that's just, that boggles the mind, the, the level of trust and understanding and dedication in one another that Rochester has. Um, and we're really, really trying to implement that in Geneva, and it's, it's getting there, and it feels really good. Um, you always hear stories about back in the day, and apparently Geneva had a phenomenal music scene in like the 70s and early 80s, and then it just kind of fizzled out. And um, Matt Elkin and uh, Ian Patterson, the uh, the owner, and Elkin was the original promoter in FLX, they, uh, they, they busted their ass to rebuild that. And um, now Twisted Rail's coming in, they're going to put a venue in and more... More of those local breweries because breweries are popping up everywhere. They're having live music and mm-hmm. coffee houses, and it's just really exploded in the last year or two. And it's really cool to kind of be on the the cutting edge of that a little bit and see what works and see what doesn't, and how we can do it. Absolutely. Um, FLX. I mean, what's it been? FLX has been open a year and three or four months. I think October of twenty. So less than two. October of twenty seventeen um, was the the year opening point, and I think Casey and I were in the door by the end of October. Right. Um, playing there, we got to know him early. And I uh, just kept playing there all the time. And Ian, the owner, uh, who's a, such a good friend of mine now, and uh, he may even come to Temple tonight just as a supporter. But um, he said, hey, what do you know about kitchens? And I was working at a barbecue restaurant as a manager at the time. And I said, you know, I know quite a bit about it. Why don't I come by and we'll help you set your kitchen up. And mm-hmm. I came in and consulted a little bit and recommended a small menu. And um, we did that. And then he's like, well, you know, I could use a bartender a little bit here and there, too. And. I came in and I'd been bartending two or three weeks and the promoter job kind of came up and I jumped on it. Um, it was, was unexpected. I wasn't, I wasn't shooting for promotion. It was going to be a extra money in my pocket while I found like a real job. And, um, all of a sudden I'm, I'm bartending there and, and manning the kitchen and staffing the kitchen so I can bartend. And, um, then I'm booking the bands too. And pretty soon, you know, I'm, I'm there all the time and I live two blocks from the place. So, Right. Uh, Ian's like, hey, can you can you do the inventory? Can you do the orders? Can you uh, can you help with this or that? Or I have a, I have a problem where I got to book this, or we're trying to do private parties, and just by proximity, I was the I was the go guy, the go mm-hmm. for it guy. You know what I mean? I was I was always drop of a hat there, and uh, now I'm you know officially the general manager there and promoter, and I, I do everything from staffing to interviews to lead bartender. You know, not so long ago we had a we had a bit of a scuffle, and I was jumping the bar and helping security out. It's just. Um, I'm honored to be a part of that place from, from the ground up, you know, um, everything from the orders to, to who, what bands go where and paying, paying the bills, you know, I do all of it now and I love it. And I have a newfound respect and love for venue owners cause it is an absolute hassle, mm-hmm. but, uh, there's no greater feeling than standing in the back of the, the dance floor at the, the front of the building and looking through the crowd at the stage and just watching everyone have a good time. It's, uh, there's, there's very few things in the world that are that rewarding. It's like watching your kid take steps. And, um, I couldn't, I couldn't see myself doing anything else outside of the music industry. I'm very, very fortunate in the life that I lead. And it just, again, going back to getting clean, once I became a better person, I seemed to attract better things for myself, you know, a better partner and better friends and better jobs and better opportunities. And at, at the time felt like happenstance, like it's luck. Like I'm, I'm lucky this thing just fell on my lap and then this thing fell on my lap and it just keeps the, you know, the hits keep coming in a good way. And then I look back and realize like, I just looked better. I looked healthier. I looked more coherent. Mm. I was able to express myself better. Um, in a work environment, I didn't look like I hadn't slept in four days. I, I looked like I was awake and ready to go. Um, I was able to convey my point without spacing out or 
being out of it and um you know luck definitely factored in but it's just a lot of hard work and um the mental fortitude to stay the course and i've been very very fortunate in how it all turned out and you know i hope that other people that are maybe at the tipping point of taking care of themselves or feeding into an addiction choose to take care of themselves because you, you can do a lot once you start and starting is the hardest part maintaining is maintaining is tough but being ready telling yourself I'm going to do this for real this time is hard but it's worth it beautifully said congrats man I wrote a song about that actually oh, that's a segue in um, we've lost a metric shit ton of friends in the last couple of years I know Especially in this area, heroin and and whatnot's been really bad. And I uh, I noticed more and more in the last couple of months when someone posts, "Oh my God, R.I.P. So and so," you see the comment pop up, and it's like, "Oh, another one. Who was right. it this time?" And um, that kind of I just painful acceptance. There's no. I mean, there is an outrage, but at the same time, it's it's like you heard about an accident on the way. You know, on 490, it's, it's, it's sad and it's inconvenient, but, but, you know, I still got to go about my day. It's just another thing. It's not devastating anymore. And, um, you never know when it's going to be someone very close to you either. It's the scariest part. It's crazy how people are, oh, another one, another one. And the way they say that it's, it's just so run of the mill, like another snowstorm's coming or, oh, uh, there's, there was another car accident at that bad intersection today. They got to put a light in. It's like, oh, there was another overdose death, you know, and it, it's heartbreaking how routine it's become. And I wrote a song called Another One about that. And it's kind of addressing uh, the people in my life that I'm not ready to lose yet. And it goes, goes something like this. Show you a problem this size 
friend, my friend, will you ever win and return to our sunny skies? And I don't know if it's whiskey or cocaine or women you're gonna ride to the end. Lower your box and cover it in sorrow And I know I'll miss my friend Cause my friend, my friend loves heroin He fell for her lies My friend, my friend's getting buried again Another one met their demise And I don't know if it was whiskey or cocaine or women That he rode to the end But they lowered that box and covered it in sorrow And I know I miss my friend And I know I miss my friend Good God, I miss my friend That's that. That's uh, I think it was a Facebook post prompted mm -hmm. ten minute song, you know, and it was uh, someone was you know, oh my god, I can't believe that. Rest in peace. And someone commented another one, and I, I just it broke my heart to see it written that way. So, um, that's uh, it's a Don Timber song. We kind of put it together and took it apart and put it back together again, and mm -hmm. how we arrange it and stuff. So, first time I played that, other than in practice, is here. Uh, for some of the broadcasts. Yeah, no, this is uh, probably songs like two weeks old. Oh. Um, so I, I showed it to the band, and we we had already made our set list for for Temple and and Ricky and Eric decided that one was going on there. So we uh, we learned it pretty quick and arranged it for the group, and um, that's gonna that's gonna be a forever Don Timber song, I think. But mm -hmm. it uh, it's definitely one of my favorites that I've written in a while. Thanks for writing it. Uh, I wish I didn't have to, but. Uh, right. I think that's that's the gray area that I've always dwelled in as a songwriter is the uh, the uncomfortable stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily expect my sets to make you leave feeling good, but I, I hope that people hear something in it. And I, I think most of what I write is a plea. Um, I think initially I was writing as a plea to myself to take better care of me. Um, but over time, once I started to see the other side of that tunnel, I think I started writing in the plea that others, that others do the same. Um, and maybe... Maybe the beat will be dancey, but I, I think the words should should be something to chew on a little bit and maybe maybe roll over in your head. Um, not that I, I think they're incredibly profound. Everything I write is pretty straightforward and, and it's meaning and, and liter you know how literal it is, but mm -hmm. um, that's just kind of the, the realm that I choose to dwell in as a songwriter. Maybe I'll evolve down the road. Maybe this is my sound and I just haven't accepted it yet, but that's, that's where I'm at right now musically. Um, is the, the songs about vices and emotions and things that are not on the comfortable side where, you know, you may not want to admit that you're the problem or you may not want to admit that, you know, a relationship is over or that, uh, you know, that what you're doing could kill you. But that's the last the last year or so, that's that's what I've written about. And Reality check. Yeah. I've written a couple songs, or I've started to write a couple songs that are on the happy side. And uh, it feels very cliche. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. 
and I was, I was seeing a girl before I was with my current girlfriend and it was going all right, but I, I knew it wasn't going to last and stuff. And I, I very sarcastically wrote a song called writing again. That's also going to become a Don Timbers tune. And uh, the premise of it is like, you need to break my heart. So I have something to write about because I can't, I can't write happy stuff. I never could. I, I always feel like it's cliche or it's been said better. You know, there, there are greats out there like, you know, the Beatles and Elton John and uh, John Hartford and songwriters like that, that have so beautifully summed up love and summed up joy and just spiritual content that if I attempt to tackle that, I feel like it just falls short. So I, uh, I think I, I dwell in the darker realm by uh, maybe lack of confidence in my own writing or maybe just I haven't found the right thing to say yet. But um, I, I did write a, I think it's semi-humorous, and I don't, I don't know how others, you know, if, if others find it as humorous as I do, but it's called Writing Again, and it's about um, needing to be upset by someone in order to write, which I think is a little tongue-in-cheek and kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it becomes, a, it becomes a, a positive song by way of not sincerely being negative. But other than that, I don't have many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> working on it, though, working on it. I mean, your voice is your voice. Yep. I wouldn't force it just because uh, numbers game you don't have as many as. Yeah, I try to. I try to write very organically. Mm-hmm. Um, I never. I. I always try to tell myself I'm going to sit down and write a song today, and um, I never can. As soon as my the ink goes to the paper, it just my brain flies out the window, and all of a sudden I'm watching Sports Center in my in my boxers. Um, but I, I don't know if it's if it's divine intervention or my subconscious takes the wheel for a minute or, or what, but every now and again, I'll, you know, be walking around the house or I'll be in the shower, or I'll be riding and I'll have a line or two coming to my head. You know, it's like, uh, um, my friend, my friend, where have you been? Why's the light gone from your eyes? Um, popped in my head while I was reading the, the comment about another one passing away. And, um, I sat down and I wrote the whole set of lyrics out probably five, 10 minutes tops. Um, I, I generally write, Structure. I might rearrange the order of the verses, but what what I generally start with is what I finish with. Um, and I was very fortunate that day that I uh, I kind of was able to sing it out loud. And I've I've grown as a musician enough to to find the notes that I was singing in my head and and manifest it entirely. But I have dozens of sets of lyrics that I've I've written just out of a, a place of nowhere when my my brain had something to say or someone told me I was ready to say something and. Um, I'm trying to put music to those little by little and, and the Don Timbers are really inspirational for that because I can finally print all these off and just hand them to someone and maybe they can do something with them mm, right. um, where I still end up being able to sing it which is a really cool feeling it, it, I don't feel quite so constrained by what I, what I can or can't write because my own capabilities aren't the only capabilities I can rely on now um, but I kind of just I just kind of vomit a song every now and again, and sometimes it's five, six, seven in a month, and other times I have six month dry spells, and um, I can't, I can't put a finger on it. It's not a lack of a decent diet or sleep or what I'm eating or not eating or whether or not I'm meditating. I haven't haven't found the formula to stay inspired, but when I do write that first song, it like breaks a barrier, and then it's usually you know a collection of them. Um, there's a few songs tonight with the Don Timbers that I've that I've written lyrics to pretty recently, so uh, it feels good to to get those out there and do some new material. Mm-hmm. Um, Always. Yeah, I've been promising an album for like two years, and uh, it's it's finally got the ball rolling on it. I've mm-hmm. recorded twice and solo album. Yep, yeah, solo album. I uh, I've recorded a full solo album twice now and scrapped it both times. One time it was 
too pristine. I felt like that was it was overproduced. And the other time, I didn't like the recording process, and I didn't like how the demos came out or the atmosphere of it. I just didn't feel that I'd done my best with it. And rather than pay to re-record, um, I chose to just scrap that. So um, Greg Bennett from Moondock Sound is our in-house sound guy at uh, FLX Live, and he does he does home studio stuff, and he's one of the best. He runs sound for Smith Opera House and big festivals. Oh, wow. and, um, he had expressed an interest in my music a year ago, and we had talked recently, and he's like, yeah, I got my new studio set up, and you should come over sometime and record a couple tracks. I was like, you know, I've got a lot more than a couple tracks. He's like, we'll work something out. And uh, we're finalizing that and figuring out a schedule. So this should be, hopefully by summer, uh, the Down Timbers and Danny Mills will have a, you know, something tangible to roll mm-hmm. a blunt on or whatever it is people do with CDs these days and, um, you know, move on. I, I'm a firm believer in a hard copy. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I really enjoy streaming services, especially when I'm mobile, um, you know, and I'm, I'm walking around or doing this or that. But um, uh, a hard copy, that, that money goes to the band. A hard copy is a merchandise both. Um, streaming services we make, we being any musician that's on a streaming service, I think it's uh, like one one-thousandth of a penny per thousand streams or something. You gotta, it's got to be streamed a ton to monetize. Right. right. Um, whereas if you go to a local live show and they say, hey, buy our CD and it's 10 bucks, that's $10 that they are putting in their gas tank or to fund the next round of t-shirts or to fund mm-hmm. the next album that moment. Um, and you the can't fund the, al- the album itself. So you can't roll yeah. a joint on an MP3, you know? So right. go out and buy those CD cases, kids. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you for my beautiful studio, my room, the Rochester Crew. I like it here. Tell me, man. It's good to be back in here. I haven't, yeah. I haven't been in this, in this place in probably six, seven months. I think, uh, Last summer, I'd pop by for a minute, hmm. randomly, but... Long term, probably, uh, we'll figure out, have some outdoor yeah. shows. Yeah, um, it's coming. I love playing outside. outside. Love playing oh, outside. outdoor concerts as in watching you and others play, but also yeah. recording this outdoors. Yeah, I, um, um, I'm a big fan of the, the Ben Albert bootlegs I've heard over the years. <laughs> I, might, I may or may not have ruined one of them at a festival... What was it, like a year and a half ago when I was just screaming oh, drunk yeah. into a microphone? Yeah. Um, it was Honey Smugglers. It was during Honey Smugglers. At, uh, at Eddie Ridge. I think I was just that. drunk and catcalling and being what I thought was hilarious you, at the time. You were located right next to the microphone. Right in front of the so, microphone. Um, theoretically, what you did wasn't wrong. I mean, who doesn't catcall the Honey Smugglers? I just happened to be I, in front of the mic. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, and that was the same loud, weekend. Right? I, I heckled the Crooked North so viciously out of love that weekend that um, Rita Proctor ended up having a water bottle custom made for me that I still have. It says, uh, it's got the Crooked North on one side and on the back in glitter writing it says number one heckler. Number one heckler. And I have the only one. They didn't just have those hanging around in the back. They went out and made one for me. Love it. And uh, well, that was a responsibility that, that I do not take seriously. And I, I take it seriously by not taking it seriously but I, my goal is to uh, cat call my friends wherever possible and I, uh, Michael I used to, is to dethrone you. Yeah, that's Michael. I used to uh, I used to never heckle, and um, right. then I started playing on stage more. And there was a night I think it was uh, the folk smuggling Dirty Owls. Okay. Back when we did that last year, um, it was my first time playing with a lot of those guys on a on a show level. You know, I, I jammed a lot of them at campfires and festivals and stuff. But a lot of them, a lot of them collectively were were easily the reason that I was doing what I was doing and I, they'd inspired me to pick up an instrument and do the same. Tyler Westcott, James Ford, Richie Coff, all those guys were so instrumental in that, pun intended. 
Um, and I'm getting ready to play on stage with them, and I just got up there and strummed my guitar, and my low E was out of tune, and I'm tuning it nervously, and I heard someone cough. You could hear a pin drop in that room, and my heart's pounding out of my chest. And I hear my friend Nikki, three quarters of the way in the back, Nice shirt! Did your mom get that for you? And everyone laughed for a minute, and all my cares melted away, because I knew hell or high water, I had a friendly face in the crowd. Right. And um, so I've gone on to, to heckle, you know, as innocently, hopefully, yes. um, any musicians that have ever heard me heckle, it is out of love. Um, but, you know, yelling things like, that was above average, or uh, uh, that man owes me child support, or Heidi Jane's, uh, that's my baby's daddy. Things like that, just to kind of loosen musicians up and let them know, you know, hell or high water, we're going to have a good time, and you should too. But I think it's my last nugget of wisdom, and we got to yeah. get flying um, over to Temple and Flower over. City. and um, Show notes, if you want to check out a little more, keep in touch with Danny, rochestergroovecast.com slash podcast slash let's do Danny Mills 2019. Sounds good. Just made it up on the spot. Rochestergroupcast.com slash podcast slash Danny Mills 2019. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, any streaming platform. If you can make a review, it's very beneficial. It gets the word out. Share with a friend. Uh, but Dan, do you want to play another song? Just yeah, I'll do one more. Um, I don't think about it. Okay. Uh, yeah, alright. I, uh, just put a song together a couple years ago for, for um, what was hopefully the upcoming album um, when we did the last time. Didn't quite make the pot. I, didn't, I chose not to play it that time. I finished putting it together. This is called Belongings. It's about uh, the end of a relationship where you're moving out and you're determining you know, who gets what and um, the heartbreak that entails. And uh, go something like this.
drink from this bottle and I'll say I'm free. Look at your photo drunk at 3 a.m. Write another song about a whiskey again. Sing another song about a whiskey. Again. And it's better you live in that house than I. How would you sit there and want to die? Thoughts of you would dance in my brain. And along with the needle, I'd go insane. But you were always stronger than. So I'll take this guitar and then I'll sing I'll take my guitar and then I'll sing I'd always choose you, it'd never be me Drink from this bottle and I'll say I'm free Look at your photo drunk at 3am Another song about a whiskey again. Sing another song about a whiskey again. So I'll take my banjo and all my strings. And keep all our belongings And I'll take my bottle and take my leave Take some songs, take time to grieve Take another hit, say cheers to you Hate myself for it when I find someone new Take my hat and hit the streets Hope someday again we meet Hope someday again we meet i always choose you, it'd never be me From this bottle and say I'm free. Look at your photos drunk at 3 a.m. Write another song about a whiskey again. Sing another song about a whiskey again.
yeah. Bye, Internet. Good. I feel really good. I feel like I did that thing I always do where someone asks me a question and I answer for 20 minutes, but other than that, I'm fine good. with it. It makes my life easy. Video will be available soon. I think it'll go well. Sweet. I appreciate you uh, doing that. Dude, I, uh, I love I love uh, chatting with you and seeing what's new. And it says you were watching the video. Was I? It might have told me that you were live. It says Danny, the Danny. Oh, my dad. Oh. My dad. Oh, does he have the same name? Yeah. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm Junior. It's like spooky. <laughs> what's really cool, and, you know, eventually I should set up a studio, but what's really cool about this concept is that'll be shareable and everything. Yep. And what I want to do um, is get a good camera and good mics and... Videotape, <coughs> videotape everything. Yeah, no, I uh, do like sessions. Even if we do like, uh, yeah, the Rock Groovecast sessions would be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, Just have someone come play three songs. Yeah, kind of like uh, what is it the the SoundClouds or not SoundCloud um, Audio Tree? Yeah, where they do like twenty minute interviews and like two three Dude, songs. Would be dope to do something like <coughs> my throat is that outside of like Ellison Park or one of these local places over by the water sweet that would be very at breweries and oh we're still alive